Growing up, my dad was one of those guys who couldn't wait to take down Christmas. So by the time December 27th or 28th would roll around, boxes would come out and decorations would start disappearing. Any of you like my dad? December 27th, you can admit it. I love my dad. You can can admit it. Ready to start the new year with a fresh house, a clean house. That's, That's okay. I'm the opposite. I want to get every last drop out of Christmas that I can. So our lights are still up. Our blow-up Yoda is still on the roof. Our tree is super dry, but it's still out. It's got some ornaments on it. And if you walk by our house this morning, you would have heard some Christmas music playing. How many of you are, are, are kind of getting every last drop out of Christmas in the same, same sort of way? Technically, in the liturgical calendar, we're still in the Christmas season. We're, we're still in Christmas tide. Uh, today is the second Sunday of Christmas. Uh, funny enough, today's Epiphany's Eve, so I kind of thought about it. Like, what if we did Christmas Eve all over again? Because that, that, that's what we could be doing today. It's, a, it's Epiphany's Eve. So in our house, we try to leave everything up through the 12th day of Christmas, which is tomorrow, and then we start to take things down. I've got a friend who's a professor in a liturgical and ecumenical studies, and, and he was the moderator of our denomination actually back in, in 2012. And this morning he wrote that he keeps his Christmas lights up through till February 2nd. And why? Why, in the Orthodox Church, in the Orthodox Church, Christmas goes until February 2nd. It ends on February 2nd with something called Candlemas, which is where they, they, they bring all the candles that they're going to use in the Orthodox Church throughout the year and they bless them. And so the whole year kind of starts with Christmas. So, Peter, Kathleen, we can leave everything up in the church for another month. We're, 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 we're good. We got everything up for the next. <clears throat> and if you're feeling behind, don't feel bad. You got another month at home. Uh, so during Advent, we spent time exploring some of the songs of the season, and every sermon we, we started with a, a kind of name that tune game, and, and I really ran out of songs by the time we got to the end of the season, but there's one song that I didn't get to, and you can't see it. Guess it. It's We Three Kings. It's, it's We Three Kings. It didn't work with this, with this, this slideshow software. They, there's supposed to be three, three kings up there. But We Three Kings, the, the carol we, we so often think of during Epiphany, um, we're about to read the story of, of the Magi visiting Mary Joseph and, and the young Jesus. And I can't help but hear the song every time I, I read this part of Scripture. It's one of the few carols that actually finds its origin in, in the United States, written in 1857 by an Episcopalian rector named John Henry Hopkins, Jr. Hopkins taught at General Theological Seminary in New York, and, and he wrote a, a pageant for his nieces and, and nephews and couldn't find any music for, for the Magi. And because we don't know all that much about the Magi, he took what we read in Matthew 2, which we're about to read, and paired it with some of the kind of the, the legends of the day or some of what had been passed down throughout history. Now, most scholars recognize that the Magi were from Persia or somewhere around modern day Iraq, that they were well off, that they were probably scientists, that they, they studied everything from astrology to psychology and philosophy. And because they were well off and because they were educated, some believed they were royalty. Passages like Isaiah 60 and, and the passage that Jean read earlier, Psalm 72, they, they mentioned kings bringing gifts 
and falling down at the Messiah's feet. So we often think of there being three magi. Why do you think we think there's three magi? Three gifts. Three gifts. But scripture doesn't actually say there's three magi. It just says, says that they brought three gifts and it says that there was more than one. So there could have been two. There could have been 12. There could have been who knows how many. And for years, pageants have, have kind of included, we don't know when they actually showed up, but, but we think it was about 12 days, hence the 12 days of Christmas. Uh, and for years, the pageants that we've told, including the pageant that, that we used here on Christmas Eve with our kids, they include the Magi showing up at the manger. Now, there's a story of a kid's pageant, uh, not all that different from the the pageant that we, we did here, where the three magi, the three kids who are, are, are dressed up to be the magi, they, they come and they bring gifts to Jesus. The first one brings the first gift and says, I bring gold. The next, I bring myrrh. Now the third was the, was the youngest. We had a lot of young kids in our, in our pageant, and some of them struggled to get their lines out. That kind of like this, this third one, he, he struggled to get his lines out, and he walked in and finally bur- blurred out, Frank sends this. Yes, I know that's a very bad joke. Frank, Frankincense, Frank sends this. It was actually a, a joke that was in the LA Times on, on Christmas Eve. Um, now tradition holds that the gifts are symbolic of Jesus' life, gold representing his, his royalty, frankincense his ministry, and myrrh foreshadowing his death and resurrection. We're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, in, in the beginning. But as we, or in a minute, as we turn to the story of the Magi uh, out of Matthew, will you join me in prayer? Loving God, we, we do thank you for the Christmas season, for the reality that the incarnation continues to shape who we are and what we believe throughout the year. Lord, be with us as we turn to your word. Give us ears to hear what you have for us. And Lord, I ask that you would take my words and use them for your kingdom. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So starting in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they sent out, and there ahead of him went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, They were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Now, at the start of Matthew 2, we're, we're introduced to the, the three main characters of Epiphany. Uh, it was during that the time of King Herod. So the first verse we, we read, it was during the time of King Herod. After Jesus was born, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. So we have three kind of main characters, King Herod, Jesus, wise men. Both Herod and the wise men, they're, they're looking for Jesus. Herod had one thing in mind to find and kill the king of the Jews that he had heard about. And the wise men had another. They, they respond to what they see and they, they begin a journey. Now, neither Herod nor the Magi, they, they had all the answers, but they both take action. And their respective responses to the news of the Messiah's birth couldn't be more opposite from one another. Herod was threatened by Jesus. He wanted to end any, any conversation about who Jesus was and is before it even started. The Magi, on the other hand, they're, they're kind of in awe of everything that they're, they're experiencing. They, they weren't Jewish themselves. Most would consider them to be the first Gentiles that met, met Jesus, but, but they knew of the Messianic promises. Remember, they, they were well learned. They were, they had studied quite a bit. And in their minds, the star that they saw was a sign that something unique Something unique was happening. So we're shown right from the beginning of of the story of Epiphany that there's two different responses to Jesus. We can explore faith, even when we don't have all the answers. Or we can stop the conversation before it even begins. We can choose to begin a faith journey or to not have a faith journey. Last year at WPC, a leadership team made of staff and church members spent time trying to figure out and discern where God was leading us over the next year, really into the future as a church. And the Vision 2020 team came up with a statement that you see up there, that we long to be a church that invites all people to follow Jesus on a journey of faith, friendship, and service. Next weekend, our elders and our deacons are, are going to spend some time talking through elders and deacons. Just so you remember, next Saturday is our retreat. We're going to spend some time talking through what it looks like to live into this statement, to actually be this sort of church. And then hopefully, our elders will, will vote to adopt this as we move forward later this month. One of the most significant conversations we had as we crafted this statement was, was our belief that, that everyone, every one of us, enters the, the journey of faith from a different spot. Every one of us has a, a different background. Some of us grew up in the church. Some of us are new to the church. Some of us have been here for 10 years. Some of us have been here for 50 years. Some of us are brand new. We all enter this journey from, from different places. And, and we can't ignore the journey that we've had that's led us up to this place. No journey is better or worse. They're just different. The Magi started in one place. Herod started in another. The Magi engaged the journey, putting one foot in front of the other. Harry was threatened. Herod, Harry, we can call him Harry. Why not? Herod was threatened by the journey. Now the Magi, they give us an example of how to seek Jesus on a journey. First, First, the Magi took notice of what was happening around them. 
during that time in their world, uh, everyone kind of paid attention to the stars. There wasn't a whole lot to do at night. So, so the Magi, they were, they were seen as experts of, of looking toward the stars, but everyone would kind of notice what was happening in the sky. Uh, there were, wasn't really any light pollution from Earth. So, so imagine the skylight at night. Imagine looking up and seeing the stars. It's like when you go camping and you're away from the city, and you, you, you see the stars. That's how it was for them all the time. There was just stars that were, were beautiful and were, were everywhere. And the Magi were seen as the experts. And they look up and they see that there's something different about the sky. Now, the Magi believed that when something significant was happening in the stars, something spectacular was happening on Earth. The, the two were completely connected with one another. Now, with all the different scientific discoveries over the last 2000, 2000 years, I'm not totally sure we can, we can see the stars in the same way or understand the stars in the same way that the Magi did. Historians and scientists have tried to figure out what might have actually been happening during that time. But, but really, to this point, it's, it's mostly speculation. The Magi's response, though, reminds us to pay attention to what's going on in the world around us. To make sure that we are, are paying attention to what is going on in the world around us. Uh, I spent the last week with my, my parents um, down in San Diego and my dad and I got into one of those conversations that you're not supposed to get into around, around Christmas, which is hard because I'm a pastor, right? And so the two things you're not supposed to talk around around the family are what? Politics and faith. And so, so I brought something up and he said, well, I just, I just don't watch the news. We're supposed to pay attention to what's going on in the world around us. We need to see what is going on in the world around us. If we're going to engage in this journey of faith, we can't just tune out what's happening in our world. So the Magi, they they remind us to pay attention to what's happening in the world. It might not be something supernatural, or maybe it is. But we need to be looking for the places that God is calling us, looking for the places where God is on the move. We need to be aware of what's happening in our world. In a way, journeys of faith, they begin with with honest curiosity. The Magi, they they go to Herod. and, And he understandably, he's terrified. So he calls together the smartest chief priests that he knows. They, they quote the prophet Micah and they lean on the words of Samuel to describe what was happening. Herod calls the Magi back together, asks them some questions, and then sends them to Bethlehem. He sends them to Bethlehem. We're not told if Herod shared the scripture passages that the chief priests quoted to them, but we do know that they respond to what Herod shared with them, to what the, the chiefs priest share with Herod. Now, have you ever noticed that the star doesn't lead them directly to Jesus? The star doesn't lead the Magi directly to Jesus. Instead, the journey takes them where? Where do they find Herod? Jerusalem. The star takes them to Jerusalem. They couldn't have known how Herod was going to respond. They couldn't have known what questions he was going to ask if he was going to help them on their journey or, or hinder their journey, they, they, they couldn't have known. Now, I think there's a bit of a lesson for us on our own faith journeys here as well. Each of us will have at least a stop or two or three or four along 
our faith journeys. We'll be asked questions we can't answer. We'll have some of those questions we can't answer ourselves. Something will happen in the world and we won't quite know how we're supposed to respond. And the story of the Magi teaches us what to do when we're stuck. The star itself doesn't get them to their final destination first. The star leads them to Jerusalem. And then scripture is opened, which points them to Bethlehem. If we want to point ourselves toward Christ, scripture has to be an essential part of the journey. So, we're only five days into the new year. How many of you have, have, have set your resolutions? How many of you just say, you know what, I'm not a resolution setter. It's just not not me. I'm more of a, uh, I, I'm listening to a book about creating habits uh, instead of instead of resolutions right now. And um, so, so what I want to encourage you, if you're not a resolution person or if you are, uh, maybe to create a, a new habit of just opening up scripture, uh, of maybe spending five or ten minutes a day in in God's word, because we claim that that's what shows us who Jesus was and is. Every week we, we include, I should say most weeks, we, we include with our, our, our sermons some, some digging deeper questions to spend some time in Scripture and kind of say, well, what does this mean? So maybe you spend some time reflecting on what we talk about here on Sunday. In the narthex, we also have daily devotionals. You're welcome to pick one up and to take one home. I want to encourage us to spend consistent time, to build the habit of spending consistent time in God's words. And if those don't work and you want something else, you can talk to Pastor John. You can talk to me. We'd be, we'd be happy to give you something that gets you engaged with God's word. When the Magi arrive in Bethlehem, they worship him with everything they have. Matthew writes that when they see where the star stops, that they're overwhelmed with joy. They bow down and worship him, leaving expensive gifts. Now, I mentioned earlier that, that many traditions connect the gifts of gold, of frankincense, and, and myrrh to Jesus' life and, and ministry. But, but more than likely, the Magi were, were honoring this, this new king in, in the way that they knew how, which was, was bringing expensive gifts. They, they were just doing what, what they do whenever a new king was born. They brought some expensive, some finest of their finest resources we often connect the gifts of the Magi to the gifts we give to one another at Christmas. And, and I like to think that we respond to what God has given us in the person of Christ by sharing what we have, both with one another and, and, and with what God is doing in the world. So after they, they worship Jesus and they, they shared gifts, Matthew writes that the Magi are warned in a dream to not return to Herod, but to go home a different way. They, they listen they discern. Now, maybe Joseph and the Magi, they sat down and had a conversation comparing notes about what was on the way, and they came up with a, a better plan. Or maybe it was just a, a dream that was out of the blue. What we don't know. But we do know that they, they discern, that, that they listen, and that they go home a different route. As Matthew tells the story, he also seems to indicate that they, they go home as changed men. Later in his gospel, whenever he uses the word way, he, he's pointing to a, a new way of living that is grounded in Christ. It's the same word that he, he uses here. So as the Magi encounter Jesus, they worship him and experience a new spiritual reality. And then they go home, they live their lives 
in a new way. Their spiritual reality shapes their social reality. Their spiritual reality shapes the way in which they live their lives. So our goal as a church isn't just to to worship here on Sunday morning, as important as worshiping here on Sunday morning is. It's also to allow what we talk about here to shape who we are throughout the week when we're not here. So the Magi, they they notice what's happening in the world around them. They they respond to scripture and they they worship with all that they had. And then they return home as changed people, living life in a new way. Now, one of my my favorite carols that we didn't get to unpack during Advent is is is, is the Little Drummer Boy. Anybody with me? Is that anybody else's favorite carol? It's it's one of my my favorites. As a kid, I also I often used to be confused on on. I'd flip through my Bible and, and say, "Where's the Drummer Boy?" He's he's not in Scripture. Little drummer boy is not in scripture. The song is based on a French legend that, that asks what it would have been like if along the way the Magi invited others to join them as they, as they walked toward Jesus, as they followed the star toward Bethlehem. So as the Magi walk, they, they run into a poor boy. He sees their, their shiny clothes and their fancy gifts. And he thinks, I don't have any of that. I don't have anything in common with these guys. I'm a young boy. They're, they're grown men. They're important. I'm not. I don't have a real gift. I, I play a, a, a drum that makes my parents and neighbors angry. Who am I to approach this newborn king? The, the magi, they, they see the boy and they, they notice the differences too. And they still invite him. They still invite him. Come, they told me. Parumpa pumpa. My hope this year is that we can be a church that follows the way of the Magi, inviting others to join us along the way. Can we be that church this year? This is the resounding yes. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, sometimes we're, we're like the, the drummer boy. We need to know that we're invited to approach you just as we are. In other times, we need to be encouraged to be like the Magi. Help us to see the places where you're moving in this world and to respond to them. Be with us as we journey together. Amen.